If you have your scriptures with you, turn to the first chapter of the book of Romans. As you know, we are spending all year trying to train people to be salt and light in the world. I mean, it's, it's, we are salt and light, but, but you train people for ministry. You, you train people to be reminded of who they are and to act like who they are. That's a very simple concept, but it misses us many times. And so for a while, except for next weekend, we're going to talk about what it means to minister to believing friends, to unbelieving friends, and to, you don't know whether they are or not, <laughs> mixed company, so to speak. This morning, we're going to talk about encouraging believing friends in the faith. I'm not sure all of us realize how important it is to be a Christian with another Christian out there. Paul did realize it, and that's why he wrote in, in verse 11, I long to see you. In other words, I long to come to where you are. I long to see you in order that I may, be, that I may impart some spiritual gift to you, that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together. The Greek word here is sampara-kleithenai, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. But, but that together thing, that some thing, is very important. That I may be encouraged together with you, while among you, each of us, by the other's faith, both yours and mine. Again, I, I think God has made the world to be more profoundly relational than any of us realize. A good friend of mine, Norm Hillestead, sometimes does some research for us uh, when, we're, when he knows we're going to talk about a certain subject, and, and he sent me some material in symbiosis. I love biology. My wife's a biology teacher, um, and, and symbiosis, for those of you who are not familiar with that term, is the living together of two organisms uh, in union to the mutual benefit of them both. And what, well, some of the recent uh, findings of symbiotic relationships is that in the smallest microcosms of the world, that what is happening, what they're discovering is that they're not only residing together for each other's mutual benefit, but their actual structure of their DNA is being changed by their living together for the good. That is to say, the fellowship on the outside is so profound that it changes the inside and changes it to the most profound level. Well, as Romans 1.20 says, God has created the world so that we may see him better. The, the creator is seen through the creation, and that's exactly the same spiritual principle. When we need to be nourished spiritually, we need to have relationships that change us profoundly toward the inside. All of us are hearing now about the tremendous effects of our genetic structure. And so we, see, we, we, we begin to think that we're, we're predetermined how we were wired in the first place. That's not true. We're influenced by that. But our wiring inside is just as influenced from the outside. And so we've got to understand that people live in a world where they're surrounded by non-Christians. People live in a world of temptation. 
1 Corinthians 10.13, many of you memorized that verse. If you're, if you're Navigator Connected, you, you memorize that verse. It's one of their basic memory verses. And it says, it says, you have not been tempted by anything that is beyond what is usual in the world. That's, a, that's the paraphrased version. You've not been, it, you're undergoing normal temptation. Normal temptation. You know what that means? Everybody's tempted. Everybody's tempted with the same temptations. You aren't exempted from temptation because you're a Christian, nor do you need to be ashamed because you're tempted because you're a Christian. But God provides a way of escape that you may be able to hold up under it. That's the difference. But all Christians live in a world of temptation. And when Paul says, you know, we need to get together because there's something to us together that isn't there separately. Part of that, that some part, in in Latin it's C-U-M, together, C-O-M, together, that that some part is, is is a filling in of the gaps Now, Paul, when he wrote this, always wrote encouragement both in complementary and supplementary form. That is, he would say something, and then he would complement, that is, fill it up, complement with a small e, and supplement, extend it. Some of you who are math math people, you know, in plane geometry, a a complementary angle is the angle that you need to fill in the angle that's already there to bring it up to 90 degrees, right? That's a complementary angle. Think of that in a spiritual sense. Think of that in a spiritual sense. We need to complement one another so that both of us might be brought up to the vertical angle. We might both be pointing straight to heaven. That's exactly what we need each other for. Um, I was was with uh, some, just a private meeting of... uh, there were four of the city's leading black pastors and four of the, of the white guys, and, and we were just together this week, just to be together, to pray together. And you know, you always go into those things and you wonder, well, we're going to work on race relations here, we're gonna, we, or we're going to get together and moan and gripe about uh, you know, all the, the problems we all have in common with our congregations. And, and But I tell you what, we came in there and we just started talking about Jesus. And we just talked, and for two hours, we talked about Jesus. And I came out of there so established. It wasn't, it's not a black-white thing. It's a Jesus thing. It's not a pastor congregation. It's a Jesus thing. This was the kind of relationship and encouragement I needed. Because you're always tempted, as the world goes, to try to figure out all the problems instead of being established from the top. And that's exactly what Paul knew, and that's why he knew we needed to get together. You get together with another Christian, you start talking about Jesus sooner or later, because that's the only basis you're together anyhow. Well, then Paul said this. He not only said that I may impart some spiritual gift, and I'll come back to that impart thing. No, I won't. I'll say it right now. No, I'll come back to it. (laughs) Kind of like watching the NBA, isn't it? Secondly, we need, to, we need to know that we need to realize people live in a world of isolation and exclusion. I mean, that is one competitive world out there. 
And people are not very good at relationships, especially men. <laughs> Pastor Orlando brought out last night, as, for those of you who have traveled in a third world country, it's nothing for teenage boys in a third world country to be walking down the street arm in arm or their arms around each other or holding hands. I mean, that's, that's, that's just the way they relate to one another. <laughs> you, you, men, would, would men do that? No, 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 I don't think so. Not, not uh, being afraid of communicating the wrong signal, we wouldn't. But that's symbolic of our separation from one another. And it's symbolic of who controls that out there, the God, the prince of this world, the prince of the power of the air, because he likes nothing better than to isolate people. I mean, it says in 1 Peter 5, 8, says this. It says, be aware, your adversary is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking somebody to devour. Anybody ever watch the Discovery Channels? And, and, and how the predators prey on herd animals. Who, who do they look for? They look for the straggler, don't they? They look for the one that somehow hasn't kept up, the one that is isolated. And when that predator finds that one that is isolated, that predator goes after. It's a law of the jungle. Well, the jungles out there has the same law. And, and, and God lo- or, or, or Satan loves nothing more than for us to be isolated and to feel isolated, to isolate ourselves. The same thing happens with gangs. You know how people become gang members? Because they feel all along. They, alone, they need, to be, they need to belong. And so the gang members will prey on the isolated one. Same thing with cults. You think, how in the world could people believe what these cults teach? I'll tell you why. They're lonely. They just want to belong. And somebody will pay attention to them. Same thing happens with, with people who abduct children. They'll, they'll watch the playgrounds for the kid that's always alone. The same thing happens with, with people who get into wrong relationships. They're isolated from healthy people who care about them, so they'll go for any kind of relationship whatsoever. You know what amazes me is absolutely the pet phenomenon of, this, of these days. Now, I know people have always had pets, but I'm not sure people have ever had the relationships with their pets that they've had. I mean, every time I turn on the news, there's a pet story. And I'm thinking, what's up with this? There's a pet story on again. I'll tell you why it is. People are so starved for acceptance that they're having, I mean, relation, I mean, they're talking to their pets. Their pets are their best friends. Well, he doesn't judge me. He would never, uh, he always unconditional love this pet. And, and, and they're closer to the pets than they are to people. There, I, you know those soup, chicken soup booklet thing, thing they got. They got them for every category now. And I, and, and and there was there's one out called chicken soup for the pet lover's soul. I'm thinking, <laughs> wow, whole story full of pet. Now there's, I'm not trying to drive a wedge between you and your pet. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. You know, when you need to, you know, kit. Uh, 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 there's probably something missing in in. <laughs> You understand? You've been isolated. Paul is saying this. You know what? We need to recognize the character of exclusion in this world. And we need to, I like how he says this. I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. Both yours and mine. I love, uh, uh, let, me, let, me go the, let me do the other uh, thing. When Paul does this, he is supplementing that vertical relationship with horizontal relationship. Once you're established, you reach out. 
Again, referring to geometry, the supplementary angle in plane geometry is that angle that doesn't add up to 90 degrees, it adds up to 180 degrees. And so we become the completion for each other so that our relationships may be extended, so that we can have those, those, those kinds of, of forever relationships. You know, God has given all of us. We are permanent family. If you're a Christian, you're my family. And we're going to be living together forever. Now, shouldn't there be some sign of that out, to, out there somewhere? I mean, we're family. The other the, the, yesterday, well, no, Friday, uh, Mandy Rainwater got married, Vernon's oldest daughter. That's why he's not here. He's tired. <laughs> no, he's got family in. But, but uh, I, I, uh, I did that wedding because I watched this little girl grow up. And I thought, hey, you know what? I, I'm sorry. The older I get, the more I just cry. I, do, I don't know when I'm going to cry. I'm just going to cry. And, and, and it happens at the same time whenever it occurs to me how good God is. I just burst into tears. And I watched this girl come down this aisle. Oh, she was beautiful. But I just saw this little girl running around in my backyard trying to catch lizards. Because that's, that's when I remember her from. And I've watched her grow all these years. And now she's a bride. And I'm going, whoa. Where? And, and then went out to the reception afterwards. And there was a band playing. And, and Vernon comes over to me and says, Hunter, this is my idea of heaven, boy. Now, see, my idea of heaven would be preaching. It's all just all preaching. But his idea of heaven is a band and people dancing. I mean, well, you understand. You understand. You all got your own versions. But, but everybody, I mean, food, there was, a, there was a band playing, believe it or not, 40s music. 40s music coming back. I'm so excited about swing coming back. But here's all these teenagers and they're forming conga lines, and they're doing this. And I'm looking all across this room. This is our church family. And I'm thinking to myself, would these people, if they weren't Christians, hang out together? Not on a bet. Not on a bet. But see, we're family. God's already established this, and we already love each other. God's already established that. And the Bible says, love covers a multitude of sins, and it probably should say, and probably some idiosyncrasies. And we were having an absolute blast. Why? Because we're family. We're family. We're not isolated. The Bible says that, that forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. The Bible says in, in Ephesians 2, uh, 15, that God has broken down the dividing wall and the two have become one. We're family. And somewhere out there, we need to connect this family. We need to recognize other Christians and we need to recognize that if we don't accept and we don't encourage and we don't pay attention to them, then the wrong side will. We're family. People need that inclusion. People need to be thought the best of. Remember when, when the disciples came back and said, man, there's some people casting out demons in your name, but they weren't with us, so we, we reamed them out. And Jesus goes, What? says, look, if they're not, for, they're not against us, they're for us. In other words, those are family. You just reamed out your family for crying out loud. If they're, if they're connected with me, then you're, they're your family. They don't have to be like you. They're family. And that's permanent. And then we've got to recognize people live in a world of drain. The Bible says that, that, 
that when the seed's planted, the plant starts to grow and weeds grow up around and start to chuck, choke out its life. It's, it starts to, it starts to, to um, um, squeeze that thing. And, and what we need is to, to have the reinforcements come from the outside that give us, if there's things squeezing us from the outside, there ought to be things encouraging us from the outside. If, 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 if John 1.11 says Jesus came and his own knew him not, that's, that comes right before John 1.12 where, where it says, but to those that believe to them, he gave the authority to become the sons and daughters of God. So, so we have to offset that draining by the filling. Bonhoeffer says this, we all, we all need to realize this. Our righteousness is alien righteousness. It doesn't come from in here. The, the stuff that says, oh, you're just a spark of God in there. And that's really, look, look into yourself. Well, listen, <clears throat> you, we are all made in the image of God. But our righteousness comes from the outside. Jesus Christ imparts our righteousness after he imputes our righteousness. It is, it is what uh, 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 the, uh, um, the uh, uh, I lost that. Anyhow, <clears throat> now, if our righteousness is like that, if we need Christ to come from the outside and indwell us so that we can be righteous, isn't the same principle true for the fellowship and the holiness that reinforces that righteousness? We need that from the outside. The world takes away. It says, Paul said, I, I, I long to see you in order that I may impart some spiritual gift to you. There are so many people who feel like their lives have failed because they haven't had somebody to remind them how much they mean. You understand how God is using them simply from being in them. I heard a wonderful folk tale one time about three trees in the forest. It's old, I think it's German in its origin. Three trees in the forest, and they were all, they were all dreaming of what they would be someday. And one tree said, I want to be a great treasure chest. I want to be laden with gold and, and hold the world's richest treasures. And another, another tree said, I want to be a great sailing ship someday. I want to take the greatest, the greatest uh, kings in the world to their destination. And a third tree says, I don't want to go anywhere. I want to be the tallest tree in the forest so that every time somebody looks at me, they're looking to God. And one day, the, 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 the woodcutters came and they cut down the first tree and they cut down the second tree and they even cut down the third tree. The first tree they made into an animal feeding trough. The second tree they made into a fishing boat. And the third tree they just made a couple of beams. You can imagine how disheartened those trees were in this folktale. But the one that was made into the animal feeding trough was the one that became the manger for our Lord. And so indeed, it did hold the world's greatest treasure. The one that wanted to be the greatest sailing vessel that held the kings was the fishing boat in which Jesus stood up 
and calmed the storm. So indeed, it transported the king. And the tree that wanted to point to God, it was simply cut into a couple of beams, became the cross. So that everyone that looked at the cross forevermore would be pointed to God. You see, you may feel like you failed, and I know the Christians out there feel like they failed, but they simply need to be reminded, now you've got Jesus in you. You've got Jesus in you. You are not a failure. Do you understand what an impact you have when you are the person that goes out and reminds people, you're a son of God, you're a daughter of God. You are salt and light in this world. And in case you forget it, I'm here to remind you. Do you know what a profound effect it has when you assemble with Christians out there? I mean, it has a profound effect when, when you simply say pr a prayer over your meal in a restaurant. I mean, that's the least we can do is give thanks in a restaurant, not be ashamed, at least be, you know, take the bushel off, say the prayer. But when you assemble together, when you assemble like uh, as in uh, uh, moms in touch or see you at the pole, when you assemble in your workplaces to, to study the Bible for a half an hour together, what a profound effect that has. What a profound effect it has when you go up to another person, wherever that friend is, wherever that friend is, and you say, you know what? I've got a scripture verse for you. I was just reading this this morning. This, listen to this. I want to encourage you with this. What a profound effect it has when you know somebody's going through a rough time and you say, you know, I know you're a believer. I'm going to pray for you. And I know that the prayer is going to make a difference. What a profound effect it has when you just say, I know you're going through a rough time. Have confidence in God. Have faith. You know that's what faith is. When things don't seem to add up, somehow they're going to come out right. Because of Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Remember that. People need to hear that. Be bold. People need you. And they need your faith added to their faith. Pray with me. God, teach us how, how much people need to have a sharing of the faith. In, in your big picture, how much you have made that, uh, the weaving of their lives, the, 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 the threads that they need so much to, to, to be encouraged in their faith to go on, not only as people but as Christians, so that they might minister to others also. Help us as we have Christian friends to speak a word of faith, not just to operate in the natural, but to operate in the spiritual, to remind them with scripture or prayer or some encouragement to depend upon you to have that salt and light uh, dynamic about them. Help us to be of use. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.